Welcome to the Mind Design Sports Podcast. I'm Brandon, and in each episode, I'll be talking about sports psychology with the guest speaker. If you want to design your sports experience, you've come to the right place. If you want more tips and insights on how to improve your sports performance mentally, check out our website and other podcasts at mind-designsports.org. Dr. Kevin Giangrasso is a licensed clinical psychologist and founder of Bergen CBT, which is a therapy practice based in Midland Park, New Jersey. Dr. Giangrasso specializes in treating children and teens with anxiety. Dr. Jean Grasso was voted as one of New Jersey's favorite kids doctors for 2019 in the New Jersey Family Magazine. Thanks for being here, Dr. G. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So your practice is called Bergen CBT, and CBT stands for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. What is that exactly, and how does it work? Sure. So cognitive behavioral therapy is an approach to therapy. It tends to be a pretty problem-focused approach where we look at problems and, and how to help people either overcome those problems or maybe reduce problem or barriers in their life. And there's three parts to CBT. We look at the thoughts or the cognitive part, and we look at changing people's thoughts to help them be more effective in their lives. Uh, We look at behaviors or what people do, and we look at changing what we do in order to help support a person. And I always say the therapy part is, is the feelings part, and that's the third. We identify emotional reactions and emotions that we have. And, but typically we, we look at the, the ways that we're thinking about what's going on and the ways we're acting around what's going on in order to help ourselves to feel better in CBT. Okay, and how can CBT be applied to sports? Sure. So, I mean, I think CBT fits right in with sports because when you're talking about playing sports, you're talking about performance. And performance is based on how we think about how we're doing, say, in a particular sport, in a particular game, and actually the actions or the behaviors that we're doing as part of that sport or part of that game. And so CBT can... I think can help us think more positively, more effectively about how we're playing with techniques such as visualization or or some other thought-based techniques. And also there are things that we can do in terms of practicing behaviors or actions in in a specific way so that we can the athlete can get more, more out of themselves and ultimately do better in their chosen sport. Would you mind providing an example of how CBT helped one of your patients that was an athlete? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, So I can think of a number of different people, young people I've worked with to overcome specific performance anxiety when it comes to sports. So I think think baseball is a pretty good example. So baseball is, is one of these sports that, you know, when you get up to bat, you, it, it really is like you're, you're on stage and sort of that whole game is kind of focused on you and the pitcher for that moment or that set of pitches. And I've worked with individuals on how to overcome anxiety or stress in the moment of being at home plate. So when it seems like everybody's eyes are on you and sometimes people you know, don't do their best because they are maybe worried about what's going on or maybe worried about that last at-bat that they just had and kind of stuck in the past rather than focusing on what's right in front of them, which is the baseball. One really good technique or skill for that kind of situation is what I just referred to, which is visualization. So imagining what it's going to be like when you're in that performance situation in the game before you're actually in the situation and imagining yourself doing really, really well 
noticing the sights and how it feels and all of that kind of thing. And then when you're actually really in that situation, you can call back on that memory of how you visualized it. And it actually helps. So do you think visualization is a good way to counter stress and anxiety? It can be. I think it really can be. And in CBT therapy, we are, it's, it's almost like every skill or tool that we're trying out is like an experiment. And so we say that and we, we approach it that way because not every tool or technique is going to work for every person. What we do is we try them out and we say very clearly, like, if it works, stick with it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't mean you have to keep using it. So I would say for some people, visualization really, really helps a lot. For other people, it might not. But I think that's one of the ones, you know, on the list of tools that's at the top of my list for working with kids who are playing sports. I see. And stress and anxiety are not the same things. How are they different? And would you provide an example in sports of how, like two of the, both of them? Sure. So we use, we use those words a lot when we're just talking with friends or with family, but they actually are different. And in the office or clinically speaking, the difference is pretty clear. So stress is when is, is the type of experience that a person has when they have something that is causing discomfort or causing their, they're looking, they're not looking forward to, or something, something is uncomfortable about that experience. With stress, that reaction goes away when the thing that's causing it also goes away. So for example, if you have a big game coming up and you're feeling stressed about that game, after the game is over, the stress goes away. Anxiety, on the other hand, is a little bit different because if you're experiencing anxiety about a big game that's coming up, after that game goes away, you still feel the anxiety. The anxiety continues. So do you think anxiety is a lot more, is a worse than um, stress? Um, when I think about one being worse than the other, I'm not sure because I think everybody experiences these things a little bit differently. I would point to the intensity of the stress that someone's experiencing or the intensity of the anxiety that someone's experiencing. So for example, if someone's having a lot of stress because there's a lot of different things in their life that are all stressing them out, then that might be worse than someone who's anxious, but they're only anxious about one small thing that they're, that's, that's going to go away pretty quickly. And vice versa, if someone's feeling anxiety about a ton of different things in their life, but the other person is just feeling stressed about one you know, one little game or, or one thing, then the anxiety is worse. Does that make sense, for, sense Brandon? Yeah, it does. And okay. what do you suggest for someone that has, that goes through performance anxiety? That's a really good question, Brandon. And like I said before, I don't think there's a one size fits all uh, solution to any of this, but there are some things that are common, commonly helpful for most people. The, the first one I would say is um, understanding what's causing the performance anxiety. So if someone has had a bad experience and then they kind of don't want to go back to that sport because they had a particularly bad experience with the sport, 
then the prescription for, for helping that situation would be to build up and kind of get back on the field or, or get back on the court and do it in a safe kind of way. On the other hand, if someone is experiencing performance anxiety because they are convinced that they have to be the absolute best, say, soccer player on the field every single time, then that's a different, then that's going to take a different set of tools. And we might look at kind of shifting some of the way that they're thinking about how they're playing and what's important to them as they're playing. I know you touched on this before, but do you think CBT is a good therapy technique to, for people with performance anxiety? I think it is. I think it is because it's, it's an adaptable um, set of techniques. When someone has performance anxiety, it's not a, it's not a one size fits all. And CBT has a, a really practical way of, you know, hitting on what's actually going on for that person. So from your experience, how long does CBT or any other therapies take to be effective? So as a rule, uh, CBT therapy tends to be pretty effective pretty quickly. The how effective it is depends on that person's goals. Goals. So there are some people who might come in for a perform uh, a sports sports performance type issue, and it actually might be one or two sessions, and they actually it's not that everything you know everything is completely solved after those two sessions, but they get enough benefit that they really are able to do what they want to do within their sport. On the other hand, there are other people who have specific issues that we might work on for a series of months at a time. But as a, overall, it tends to be a more short-term approach to therapy. And so we're talking about months versus, um, it, months, not years, I would say. I see. So let's talk about stress and anxiety in general, since it seems to be a concern for a lot of young people nowadays. Do sure. you think younger athletes nowadays have a lot more stress, or is it more in high school athletes? Uh, more stress as compared to the past? Yeah, and in just in general. Yeah, I mean, I th listen, I think that there is a lot of stress out there these days, um, both for younger athletes as well as, as those in high school. I think that stress can start um, certainly stress can start in elementary school and it can, it, can, it can continue and it can get worse. Sometimes it gets better. So sometimes when some, when actually oftentimes it gets better. If someone experiences, might experience stress and stress related to sports specifically like in third or fourth grade, through that experience they learn how to manage it and deal with it, then they might actually not experience as much stress as they get older. But, but in, you know, short answer, it was like sort of a long answer, but the, but the short summary is, yes, I see, uh, I think stress is, is a real problem for uh, younger individuals as well as those in high school. What do you think those main sh causes of stress are, like the stressors? I think, you know, it's my, my kind of view, or I just, I think, there's a lot of pressure on kids these days. There's a, a, a lot of expectation for even very young kids to do a lot of different things. Um, we're expected to 
get all your homework done. You're expected to join a lot of different after-school activities. You're expected to have, you know, have friends and have a social life and also, you know, potentially, you know, learn a musical instrument, learn a second language. There's a lot of high expectations and that just give that offers a lot of opportunities for things to develop stress about. And I think that's the reality today, you know, uh, for, for people. What is your solution for people that feel overwhelmed with so much to do? I wish I had a magic wand where I could create a solution for someone, uh, for so many kids who have so much to do. Um, I don't think it's that simple, but I do, but I do think that there are pros and cons to having a lot to do. The pro is that you learn you learn to manage a lot of different things, and stress is one of the ways that you can learn. Because if you don't have stress, you don't have the motivation to learn. If you do have stress, you have something that you have to learn to get um, to get over, and by doing that, you learn how to be really successful in your life, and that is um, that can be a real gift. For later in life. You know, I sometimes think about stress and anxiety as um, we try to flip it and try to think about it actually kind of like a superpower. If because if we if if you have stress and anxiety and you have the skills to manage it and deal with it, you can actually use it as fuel to perform better. That's interesting. Could you Go in more depth about that? Absolutely. Everybody in the world, no matter what you do or what your age is, you experience stress. It's a normal experience. In fact, if we didn't have stress in our lives, we wouldn't be pushed to do anything. Um, if we didn't have stress in our lives, we, we might actually... Um, sit on the couch all day because there would be nothing kind of pushing us to to get up and to complete an activity because we wouldn't really mind if we didn't and so stress can happen at low levels so we can have a little bit of stress we can have a medium amount of stress or we can have a whole lot of stress and there's when we have too much stress, it can become a problem. But when we have just the right amount of stress, it actually helps us to perform at optimal levels for a lot of different reasons, one of which is because it can be something that motivates us. And actually, there's research to support this. And if you were to mathematically graph out intensity levels of stress, there is a graph that you can follow that says, as stress goes up, performance goes, also goes up to a point. And there's, there is a point at which it's sort of the, the word is optimal, or the best possible amount of stress to get the best possible performance that you're able to. And that's been, that's been, shown, that's been shown multiple times in, in the research. And there's certain technical names for it that I won't get into, but there isn't a best level of stress that people can get to. And that's really when you're able to, especially as an athlete, perform at your best.
actually, when you're at that optimal or best level of stress, you can often see, you can literally see better. In other words, your eyes are more clear and you can see things, like for example, if you're playing soccer, you can see the ball better. You can see where the goal is better. And you can, um, there's all kinds of other body, actual body changes that can be measured that um, help you better play sports when that stress level is at the, the best sort of point. So you talk about that optimal stress level. How does, how some kids might not realize when stress goes too high um, yeah. and it's getting out of hand. So what do you advise for that? So uh, what I advise is to develop your superpower. So just in the same way that you don't, um, you know, you don't go on the soccer field and on the first day score five goals. Um, you have to go to practice and you have to work on it and you have to learn how to to dribble well and you have to learn how to uh, kick it in a way that the, the goalie can't catch it. Um, that happens over time. And in the same way, finding your optimal level of stress happens over time. So as you practice, there are gonna be certain days or certain games when you realize you tipped, you tipped over to too much stress. There's gonna be other times when you maybe go home and you think, well, I didn't actually put my best effort out there on the field. And over time, you're going to learn by playing the sport and by being aware of how much stress you're feeling. Um, you can actually learn to maybe dial it up a little bit or dial it back. But having the experience of sometimes having too much stress helps you in the long term. I don't know if that makes sense. Please yeah. feel free to ask clarifying questions if that's helpful. Yeah, of course. And for those who don't know if they have stress or anxiety, what does it feel like for an athlete besides like that performance stress or performance anxiety? Sure. So stress, anxiety, or actually excitement are all based in what's called physical arousal. So physical arousal is just is another way that I say that I like to say that is becoming activated physically. So you might notice uh, your heart beating faster. You might notice that you're sweating more. You might notice that maybe your face feels flushed or hot. Um, sometimes you notice that you just, you feel um, a boost of energy or you feel a boost of power. Um, physically, that's how it feels. And the the way that we interpret it or what we do with that physical feeling determines or shows us what that experience is going to be so the you, you get the typically the physical feeling first and then the way that you think about it determines whether you experience it as stress as anxiety or even as excitement um, or feeling like a boost of energy so it's what you do with that physical reaction that that makes up your experience. Okay. And is there a common warning sign or some signs that indicates too much stress in an athlete? And what would you say to these young athletes? Sure. So, I mean, some common, some common things that people experience um, when they're feeling too much stress are maybe um, stomach problems, uh, maybe feeling sick to your stomach or feeling sort of butterflies in your stomach, but, but a little bit more, more 
uh, or a little bit worse than butterflies in your stomach. Sometimes uh, athletes actually uh, throw up or vomit uh, before games. Um, all of these kind of physical signs are maybe signs that uh, the stress level is too high or it's lasted for too long. The other thing that uh, sometimes comes up is athletes try to avoid games or practices or just not feeling like going. Um, when maybe an athlete used to love a sport and starts to not be as interested, that may be a sign that uh, the stress related to that sport is getting too high. Okay. And what do you think about social media? Does it cause more stress and problems for kids? Social media is a tough, is a tough thing to really understand because on one hand, um, these days, social media is the norm. You know, it's another way that we communicate with others. It's the way we keep and make and, and maintain friends. Um, on the other hand, because we have social media, it gives us so much more information about everybody around us um, as compared to what we used to have. And so it can be tough. And I think social media can create more stress if we pay a lot of attention to it. So a couple key strategies that I recommend are turning social media off at certain times. So particularly, even though it's hard, um, turning social media off at night um, when you're going to sleep or when you're almost asleep is, is a good thing because it gives you, it gives you the break that you need. Um, other t uh, maybe there's another part of the day when you might want to turn your phone off or turn your social media sites off um, just to get a break from that input of information. Do you recommend an athlete ever just cutting social media out fully? Even though it was aimed towards older people for their kids, what advice from that could be geared towards kids that you talked about? Sure, sure. So, um, so yeah, I did, I did that talk, and I'm actually doing a series of other talks uh, this, this fall. I'm going to be doing one focused on elementary, and then I'm going to do another one on high school. But I think it's important to... Um, for kids to be aware of how they're feeling and what's impacting them. And I think it's also important for them to know that even though sometimes when there's a difficult experience or you're experiencing too much stress or too much anxiety or, or just overwhelming, overwhelmed with the amount of things that you have to do, um, it doesn't have to last forever. And there are things that you can do to change how you're feeling about the things that you have to do and um, to change, uh, you know, how you're doing uh, maybe in those sports or, or those classes that, um, that you're worried about. That sounds good. Those are all my questions, but do you want to add anything else? Um, well, th no, just, just thanks for having me. Um, this has been really interesting uh, discussion and I think I think you have a great great podcast and a great um, a great target here with talk, talking about stress and anxiety and um, yeah thanks for having me it was great speaking to you dr. G and I, I learned a lot and I'm sure our audience did too it's an important stress and anxiety is an important topic and I'm glad we could get it out there are certain times when I would recommend uh, cutting out social media and I would actually recommend doing it as an experiment like just because you cut out social media doesn't mean you have to stay off of those sites long forever but it might make sense to to try it try it for a day or two and see how you feel and if it helps you feel better 
then stick with it. Okay, and what is a common myth or some myths about stress and anxiety that you want to clear up for our audience? I think the number one myth about stress and anxiety that I hear is that stress and anxiety is all bad. I think we often people think about uh, stress and anxiety as like if they're if they are there, then that's like a really bad thing. And I really think that's a myth because stress, either stress or anxiety or both, um, can actually really be helpful to us as much as maybe it doesn't feel like that. Um, these experiences can teach us uh, how to manage uh, multiple things. And as you know, I was talking about a little bit earlier, um, stress can actually help us improve our performance. So. I think it's a myth that stress and anxiety are all bad. I see. And my last question is that um, on in May, you had a parent discussion about stress management for youth at home during COVID yeah. at the local library through Zoom. Even though it was aimed towards older people for their kids, what advice from that could be geared towards kids that you talked about? Sure, sure. So, um, so yeah, I did I did that talk, and I'm actually doing a series of other talks uh, this this fall going to be doing one focused on elementary and then I'm going to do another one on high school but I think it's important to for kids to be aware of how they're feeling and what's impacting them and I think it's also important for them to know that even though sometimes when there's a difficult experience or you're experiencing too much stress or too much anxiety or they're just overwhelming overwhelmed with the amount of things that you have to do um, it doesn't have to last forever. And there are things that you can do to change how you're feeling about the things that you have to do and um, to change, uh, you know, how you're doing uh, maybe in those sports or, or those classes that, that you're worried about. That sounds good. Those are all my questions, but do you want to add anything else? Well, th no, just just thanks for having me. Um, this has been a really interesting uh, discussion, and I think I think you have a great great podcast and a great um, a great target here with talk talking about stress and anxiety. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. It was great speaking to you, Dr. G, and I I learned a lot, and I'm sure our audience did too. It's an important stress and anxiety is an important topic, and I'm glad we could get it out there. So thanks thanks again. Thanks for listening to the Mind Design Sports Podcast. Before you leave, please show some love for the podcast by subscribing, liking, and commenting. Stay tuned for next month's podcast with a new guest speaker.